Welcome to Podheim, Jirok's Valheim podcast. Let's give him the business. Hey, everybody. Today is March 23rd, 2022. I'm your host, Jirok the Viking, and joining me today are my fellow Vikings, Gwen the Shield Maiden. Hi, everybody. Viking Rudy, Rudistic the Guardian. Hola. And Viking Thorin, a.k.a. Metarune. Hey, everyone. Remember finding that abandoned house in the meadows and thinking to yourself, ooh, free house. But then the beehive inside poisons you and gives you the business? Well, we won't poison you, but we are going to give you the business today. And first thing we're going to talk about is Valheim news. Anybody know any Valheim news going on out there in Valheim world? Crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a lot. Yeah, crickets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Uh, this last weekend, I think on Friday, uh, Grimcore posted on um, Twitter uh, something like, uh, Monday is is coming, prepare yourselves. And then, of course, that created a stir in, in the comments and, and a little bit of the community because everybody thought, ooh, a Monday update or something, some news or something. And then Monday came and nothing. <laughs> they just trolled Monday you. Monday came. <laughs> We prepared ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they just trolled us. <laughs> I think that was even the comments on Twitter. So I guess that's the Valheim news that we have is Grimcore trolled us with an update for Monday and nothing came. <laughs> yeah. To be fair to them, I mean, we had quite a lot of news and updates in the past, in the weeks prior. We had the mountain caves update. We had the uh, little sneak peek of the uh, new weapons and stuff like that. So. They, they deserve a break. Yeah, no, there's there's been plenty of news, uh, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, the videos I was able to release on the uh, recent updates and sneak peeks and stuff like did really well on, on YouTube. So, you know, I've returned back to just doing, you know, various different topics and streams of my own. You know, I don't have the luxury of of the Valheim um, updates or sneak peeks to to make easy videos that get easy hits. <laughs> But, so how, how's everyone doing? Uh, like Gwen, tell us a, a little bit about uh, what, what you've been up to the last two weeks. Yeah, should I should, should I start with that segment already? Because it's going to be a, a, a nerd fest of uh, <laughs> of history related <laughs> things, and it's going to take a while. So uh, hold on to your seats. <laughs> um, yeah, tell, yeah, tell us. Yeah, so. Two weekends ago, I went and had a, an amazing weekend of uh, Viking-related crafts, craft workshops in a completely magical place that I um, I discovered in the UK. Uh, it's the called the Ancient Technology Centre in Dorset, uh, near Bournemouth, for those who, who know where that is. And it's basically a kind of a living history museum type thing. And they focus on um, Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, Roman, Anglo-Saxon, Viking eras. So really like prehistoric to early medieval. And on the site, um, they have basically built a number of buildings that are all made by the the volunteers and the uh, the, the people, the tutors who, who work there. Most of them are archaeologists or teachers of sorts. And they built things like a roundhouse, an earth house. They built a Viking longhouse as well as a, a, a whole kind of little farm setup and a, um, a Roman villa and so on. And they built everything with the, using the tools 
of the era um, of the thing that they're building. So the whole center is really focused on, as its name suggests, it's called the Ancient Technology Center. So it's all focused on tools and methods of building, of crafting, of doing things in in uh, prehistoric and early medieval times. And and it's all, it's pretty much like experimental archaeology, uh, which is something that I didn't really know about. Uh, I kind of heard about it through actually a lady who is one of the tutors at this ancient technology center. I heard a talk at a history festival that I went to last year, and she's an archaeologist and she focuses on Iron Age. And she was giving this talk about uh, pigments and painting of the, the Iron Age. And so and she was explaining that uh, she was what she was doing is experimental archaeology, which is pretty much um, using the evidence and research um, that normal archaeologists would do. Then you go and try the thing and basically refine until you figure out the way that things were done as in uh, by experimentation, basically. I'm probably explaining it really badly. And if there's any archaeologists <laughs> listening, I'm really sorry, but that's kind of in normal talk what I understood it was. And so... Mm. She is one of the four tutors involved uh, at the Ancient Technology Center. And uh, I think all of them specialize in a different uh, different era. And so they have this fabulous site where they have built these buildings. Um, and they often do like, they have lots of school kids coming with school trips. And they basically teach history uh, through kind of showing and telling and doing, uh, which is great. I love that. Um, that's one of the reasons I... I got into reenactment is just to get into doing the things, exper- uh, experiencing the things as opposed to just reading them in books. And and yeah, so the Ancient Te- Technology Center, they do events every now and then. They have like uh, workshops or classes that they, they do um, and they teach. And I, yeah, I decided, I saw that they were doing a whole weekend of crafts and workshops. And there were a few that were things that I had on my radar anyway. Um, and one that was uh, like Viking and food related. So I was all in. <laughs> and so I went and did that and um, did one workshop on the Saturday and another one on the Sunday. And I stayed overnight on the site as well in the Viking longhouse, which was probably like the best and most exciting part of this whole thing. Like all of it was amazing, but nice. being able to sleep in an actual Viking longhouse that was built authentically based on like archaeological evidence was just mind mind blowing. Did did you have a modern bed though inside? No, I slept on the floor. I slept on like like real Vikings. No, I I had a sleeping bag and I had <laughs> no, not a straw bed, but I I did have like a small futon and uh, and a a modern sleeping bag and a wool blanket and a, a yeah. hot water bottle, which uh, kind of saved my night, but. Uh, other than that, everything else around me was pretty, <laughs> pretty <laughs> legit and authentic. Did, didn't you show him a screenshot of Valheim and said, "Look, they had straw beds. Where's my straw bed?" You didn't even get a straw bed. <laughs> <laughs> a straw bed. Well, they had the dragon beds yeah. too, right? The fancy Very ones cool. with all the hides, which I don't really understand why <laughs> there's so much hide. But okay, I mean, um, it's better than the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's cozy. I, I don't know if cowhide is cozy, to be honest, or deerhide. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll take cowhide kind of over the floor. <laughs> yeah, it's not very cushion either. No, I tell you what, though, sheepskin—that's that's the way to go. I, so 
in the longhouse, uh, there was a couple of people staying over. I think most of the people staying over were people doing like two day, uh, one of the two day workshops. Um, and a lot of them were also reenactors. So I had plenty of opportunity to really nerd out with other people who love history. Um, and one of them was actually, uh, in a Viking reenactment group. And he, well, there was a couple of people in Viking reenactment groups, but him, he decided to actually have his whole like bed set up as accurate as possible. Like he would take on, on, um, reenactment shows. And so he had like rolled up mattress with made out of sheepskin and stuff. Uh, I didn't ask him if it was really comfortable, but to be honest, I think we had so much meat that the next day he couldn't really remember how his night went. But, uh, but yeah, it looked quite fluffy and comfortable compared to, uh, like a yoga mattress or something. So. Nice. You got to be an experimental archaeologist for how long? Uh, sorry, say again. You got to be an experimental archaeologist for how long? <laughs> so uh, just for the weekend. So the first day um, the, the on the Saturday, I did a medieval uh, natural dyeing workshop uh, with a lady who's uh, also a reenactor. And uh, I think she does Anglo-Saxon and Viking uh, era, so early, early medieval. And uh, she taught us basically to dye, uh, to dye yarn uh, and uh, fibers using natural dyes, just like Vikings would have done to dye their clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so did that on the first day. Uh, I don't know how much detail you want because it can get like pretty nerdy and I really enjoyed it. It was actually something that I wanted to do for a while. Um, and I got it as a, as a kind of a Christmas uh, gift to myself. And, uh, and yeah, basically it's uh, learning the process of dyeing natural fibers and, and uh, uh, using natural methods. And it's all about chemistry. It's actually really fascinating. And, uh, and yeah, so we did that over like a, an, an open fire, a little campfire using clay pots and copper pots and all sorts. And, and yeah, the result was, uh, was great. And yeah, it's a good way to dispel the myth of that Hollywood taught us that everything before <laughs> kind of modern era was all grays and browns and black and all medieval people were only wearing boring colors because, you know, they're peasants and they're dirty. Mm-hmm. Actually, the medieval clothes were very, very bright and full of color, especially Vikings. They loved, loved color. And uh, sounds when you, like, yep. I was going to say, it sounds like you should put together a little, um, little essay and send that over to Iron Gate so that they can give us dyes so that we can change our colors of our clothes. Yeah, well, we, I think I might have mentioned it when we did one of the uh, the interviews where we were talking about clothing, and I was saying, you know, like give us give us like embroidery, give us like customization. Anyway, is something that a lot of us players want to have, and the only customization really that we get is with the linen capes that we can dye in different colors, and that's pretty accurate. I mean, not all the colors of like black dye it wasn't really a thing until much much later on in the medieval period but um but yeah i mean it w- wouldn't it be so nice to be able to basically learn dyeing in the game collect the materials use the cauldron and go and dye your i don't know your troll leather or your tunic mm-hmm. in a different color just throwing it out there it's an idea <laughs> we have linen we have uh we have flax and all of that so why not Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that would be that would be pretty uh, pretty nice. I mean, I know you can do it with mods and all of that, but in the game, it would be a pretty nifty thing to 
to learn um, how to do. I know that we were speculating with the uh, Mislands update when it was still, you know, the old Mislands with all the what looked like spider webs. I know we were speculating that maybe that was silk would be the material in the Mislands and that we would be able to craft more things. Still could be that. We have moths now. Yeah. No more spider webs, but we've got moths. Yeah, moth and uh, yeah, so silk might still be a thing and maybe coloring is on the cards. I hope so. Um, but yeah, I learned all about how to do that in real life and it was fascinating. I got to take home my little samples of all the different colors and the different processes we we tried. And, uh, and yeah, and then on the Saturday evening, I stayed over at in the Longhouse. We had uh, uh, basically the second the on the Sunday, I did like the Viking uh, cooking course, and the guy uh, who was teaching that course was also doing another course on the Saturday that I didn't go to, which was basically a butchery course. So he had two venisons and he basically showed how, I think he had two or three venisons and he showed how to basically skin and and, uh, butcher the the meat and all of that. So in the evening, we actually ate some of the meat that they had basically butchered, I guess, or or skinned uh, rather during the day. Um, So we had lovely food, all cooked over an open fire in the hearth in the middle of the longhouse, like in the game. And and yeah, we had uh, homemade meads as well. I tried like various different types of meads and uh, and sisa, which I didn't know about, which is apparently a blend of cider and mead. And uh, and yeah, that was a lovely evening by by the fire. Talking with uh, we call those snake bites in Canada. Snake bites. Uh, I beer and cider. Yeah, but so yeah, so it's beer and cider. It's like lager and cider. It's snake bite, right? Yeah, I guess it's a little different when it's mead. Yeah, but. yeah, because the mead is yeah. like it's. Uh, have you ever tried mead? I'm sure you have. Yep. Yeah, so it's very sweet, isn't it? It's like it's honey based, so it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. And then the cider yeah. gives that kind of acidity and sourness, I guess. I didn't mm-hmm. really like cider, to be honest. I'd rather stick with e- <laughs> either cider or mead. But uh, but yeah, it was interesting to try. It was all homemade, and um, and uh, the the guy Craig um, from who's called also the Saxon Forager, who was the guy who was uh, providing all the food and teaching everyone how to cook and all that on the workshop, was telling us like, yeah, these are the apples that I got from the neighbor's garden, and he basically is really living up to his name. He's really foraging a lot of the stuff and trying to be as authentic and sustainable as possible in the way he gets everything. Like even the venison, the deer that he had uh, brought was deer from like literally a couple of kilometers down the road uh, from a company that basically has to call deer. Because in the UK, we have a lot of deer and we don't have any predators. Mm -hmm. So that can be a bit of a problem. Sometimes say we have, uh, you know, years where there's too many deers and it's causing an imbalance in the ecosystem and all of that. So there are some companies that are basically contracted to um, go and uh, control the population. And so those deer kind of go to waste. So he sourced them from there. And uh, and yeah, same as the the food that and the herbs that he was using and uh, the mead that he was making is a lot of it is homemade and like foraged around his area, which is uh, which is really nice. It's not something that we do much anymore, unfortunately. I was going to ask is the mead that you drank, did you get a health or a stamina bonus from it? <laughs> Good question. I think I got me really sleepy, which is not something that I uh, knew was uh, possible with meads <laughs> in game. <laughs> or, did they te- or did they teach you how to make ice ice cream? Ice cream. No, I didn't have ice cream. We didn't have a, a, a nice box like, uh, like I made in the tavern, unfortunately. <laughs> 
get a good uh, rested buff while you were there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fire was lovely. Uh, it was it was really nice. I strategically picked closest spot to the fire to put down my bed because we were basically so the longhouse is like really like a longhouse. I'm guessing everyone pictures what a longhouse looks like, and so you've got the ha- the hearth, the fire in the middle. And then either side of the fire along the walls is there was like a a small wooden platform, uh, which can be used as table, bench, whatever. Like that's where people do their thing during the day. And that's where people sleep during the night. So they would put out like, I don't know, something comfy to sleep on and just sleep there. Um, So strategically, (laughs) because I was one of the first ones in, I I placed my my little sleeping bag really close to the fire (laughs) because I tend to get really cold. And uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad, actually. It was raining a lot during the night, which was actually even better. Just like falling asleep with the sound of the rain on the roof was fantastic. Well, glad to hear no fuelings attacked you while you were sleeping too. (laughs) No, I did hear some, uh, some cackling in the in the distance, but uh, I didn't venture out. <laughs> I stayed in, in my base. <laughs> they, they probably hadn't killed the bosses yet in the area. <laughs> so, so yeah. And then after that, uh, yeah, day two was a Viking cooking uh, workshop by the Saxon forager. His uh, name is Craig Brooks. He actually wrote a book um, called Eat Like a Viking with lots of uh, recipes and lovely, lovely guy. He was there with his uh, family and and little daughter, and they were all in like Saxon and Viking clothing the whole weekend, and it was just so nice to see. And uh, and yeah, the they started with us learning how to make fire with uh, flintstone and steel. So after doing a bit of chemistry on on the medieval dye workshop, I did some physics, which is uh, basically you know m- making fire. Uh, using the the rock and um, striking it with steel, uh, I'm sure Rudy, you know all about that because you you do, you're into bushcraft and stuff, uh, aren't you? Absolutely. And hmm. looking at your notes here, you described it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. So creating the sparks and then uh, trying to light the tinder uh, and the chalk uh, cloth on fire and uh, and then blowing a lot on it until the fire until the flames come and that's where i think that's what was my uh, my downfall is uh, it was really hard to keep it going and actually light a proper proper fire but it was fun to uh, uh it was my first time actually trying to light a fire this way so uh, it was fun for me and yeah it's kind of weird actually that flint isn't a requirement uh when you're making a fire in valheim yeah, that's a that's a good point. It's just wood and rocks. Well, rocks, <laughs> flint. I think that's I think that's where they kind of. Oh wait, no, we do have flint. It would be frustrating to have to carry that material with you. Oh, we do yeah. have flint in the game. Yeah, it's used for flint axes. Huh. And I never thing, actually but... thought about that. That's very true. <laughs> but yeah, so after we made our fire and got the fire going, we oh, so we did all the cooking in the in the longhouse. By the way, so it was like as authentic as you can get. Uh, using all the, the the tools and the pots and the cauldrons and things, um, all kind of re recreated from archaeological finds. We made uh, first. We made uh, cheese and butter. With with the butter, you you know you have to churn the butter. So we tried different methods uh, of churning and uh, yeah, made some cheese and some flatbread so we could taste our cheese and butter. It was uh, very yummy. And then we moved on to some more serious foods. We did, uh, there was a lot of venison left. So we did uh, venison haunch, um, put in salt dough and then put on basically on a pan, just 
right on the fire. And then we made sausages. <laughs> I really kind of felt like in Valheim making the sausages. How, how many entrails did that take? Uh, <laughs> It took. Did you fall on the fire and burn yourself? <laughs> no, I was. I was so that made me laugh because I was really like so close to the fire most of the time because it was quite chilly. It was quite cold, and uh, the fire was nice and warm. So yeah, I, I smell of smoke. Like my entire being was just smoke by the end of the weekend, uh, including my uh, my all my belongings. But but yeah, it was it was fun. We made sausages, needed lots of uh, entrails for that, and then we made like fritters, which were kind of like between an omelette and a tortilla, I guess. And then we ate all of that. And yeah, and that, that, that was it. It was, uh, it was really nice. And we learned lots of interesting things about Vikings and their diets, which was very, a lot more diverse than, than what we imagine, like what medieval people ate, I guess. Yeah, obviously a lot of the Vikings have moved and established themselves all over Scandinavia, but also in England and various places. And they traveled a lot and they traded a lot. So they actually had access to quite a large variety and diversity of herbs, of spices, of obviously uh, vegetables that they would farm and uh, meats that they would hunt or farm. So yeah, the they, they ate well, let's put it that way. And yeah, what else? What else did we learn? Uh, That's a lot. I'm curious how, like you talked about the venison and stuff, what kind of spices or whatever, you know, what kind of, what did it taste like? Was it just salt and pepper? Were there herbs from the land or what kind of spices or whatever did you use? Uh, so what we did was we used rosemary and interestingly, rosemary is one of those where obviously it, it was, it came from, from the Mediterranean and because the UK has had many invasions, including Romans established in the U in England for a very long time. A lot of the herbs that are used, that were used afterwards by Vikings, who then came and uh, invaded England, were remnants of the Roman era. So the Romans left behind things like rosemary, things like, like pretty much all the different Mediterranean herbs that you can often find in the south of France and Spain and Italy and so on. And, uh, and yeah, so we used rosemary. We didn't really flavor or like spice the meat much. What we did is we made a, what they call a salt, salt dough which is pretty much just mixing flour with water and salt. And you basically make this kind of dough that you put all the way around the meat. So we in, in our case, it was venison and it was like a haunch. So it was quite a chunky bit of meat. And you just put like dough, wrap it around the meat, and then put the whole thing on the pan on the fire and let that slow cook for a couple of hours. And when you're ready to check out the meat you basically remove the salt dough you don't really eat that and the meat i guess takes some of the salt taste as you as it slow cooks i'm not sure how the physics of that work but it was nice awesome yeah so it's it's like steamed in its own own juices there so that yeah. uh, salt dough turns pretty hard right like yes. you have to smash it yeah right? pretty much pretty much it's like a crusty at that point after it's cooked for a while it's like pretty much black and charcoal you don't really that's why you can't really eat it but the meat inside is nice and tender and very very juicy and did they let you take photos at all or were phones a no-go make it <laughs> i took so many photos and videos so many. Part of it was to document the process so I wouldn't forget if I were ever to make sausages again, <laughs> which I'm determined to do because it was <laughs> weirdly fun uh, to make. <laughs> uh, part of it was just uh, visually so appealing, like from the, all the colors of the medieval dyes and the yarn that we were doing and then 
all the foods and stuff. I was trying to capture as much of it as possible. So I took lots of pictures. I was also a bit on a photo and video spree because I had literally just bought a new phone, uh, which has a really good camera uh, after four or five years of using the same old broken phone. So I was also like testing the new camera a lot. Uh, and I might compile some of the video footage into um, like a, a shorter uh, edited version and I might post that on my channel not making a commitment yet but if I ever get nice. to it yeah, that'd be uh, awesome to see. I'll be happy to share but uh, yeah yeah we'll, I'll, I'll share with you anyway a couple of uh, of pictures especially of the uh, Viking longhouse it was beautiful it was basically yeah as as close to a real one as you can imagine with the slightly angled um or slightly kind of curved roof. It had beautiful carvings. It had rune carvings on the inside as well, as well as um, on the outside. I didn't really ask how it was made. Maybe I should have, but on the wall. So the walls were kind of white. I think they were probably coated with, uh, with uh, uh, like not clay, but like some sort of material to protect and isolate the walls. And then it had molded uh, figures on it. So kind of Viking Norse kind of figures on it it had painting it was the hall was just beautiful and the weather was so nice it was chilly but the sky was blue so the, some of the pictures i took i was like oh this is idyllic sounds like it <laughs> i would move in there if i could <laughs> but yeah it sounds like a lot of fun you actually inspired me to look for something like that here uh, yeah, in california definitely do i think it's uh it's something that i didn't really i mean i guess i knew it was a thing cuz my with my parents and my family when I was a kid I did go to lots of museums of different kinds and some are more or less interactive some have like historical displays and stuff and I really always enjoyed that like the being able to to see how people used to live in various eras but in the UK I must say we have a sort of variety and uh, so many different museums that are like that that are living history museums and a lot of them have cool events that they do. Uh, there's another one that I really want to go to at some point, uh, which is the Black, the Black Country Living Museum up near Birmingham. Uh, and it's basically all kind of Victorian and early, all the way up to 1920s. It's a whole kind of village that was that is kind of still in that style. And they do a lot of Victorian and 1920s events there, um, including <laughs> Peaky Blinders themed stuff, which is definitely... One thing that I'm, I'm considering getting tickets to to go and go and dress up, obviously. So yeah, there's lots of places like that that do stuff like this, and I love it when they. It's you know there's that educational aspect as well. Like this center, all of it is run by people who um, have a link to history or are archaeologists and who want to just teach and and share with people and. Yeah, you just learn so much by those events and those workshops and so on. I would definitely encourage you to go and search for your local museum and the kind of events that they do, because I'm sure there's all around the world uh, people willing to to share their knowledge. Yeah, I'll have to try to find something similar. And you should definitely check out. Yeah, I'm sure there is uh, everywhere. I think in, in Europe, we're particularly lucky because obviously... Uh, there's a lot less ground to cover. So everything is a lot more concentrated. So it's easy to travel. Like I traveled two hours to go to this thing and it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, and also there's a lot of actually historic sites still that um, are either conserved or transformed and um, or turned into museums and so on. So yeah, we're, we're 
quite lucky there, but I would love to go and actually travel to Scandinavia and go see some of the um, other kind of Viking museums and stuff. There's lots in Norway and in Sweden uh, that look absolutely amazing. They have like huge Viking and history festivals there as well. I, I re- would really like to to go to those. But yeah, in the meantime, <laughs> I'll just uh, make my sausages at home, <laughs> light my fire in my garden and <laughs> sleep in my little Viking tent. And, uh, and yeah, keep on learning different crafts and stuff and reporting back. And I just want to take a quick break from the show to share with you one of my sponsors, The Grimfrost, an amazing company that sells really, really cool Viking products. They have over a thousand different modern and historical Viking products. If you're interested, you should check them out. I have a link in the description, or you can go to my website, jirokthevikingcom slash Grimfrost. Now back to the show. Do you, do you have yourself a full Viking outfit yet? No, I made one for a, a, a Viking festival, but it wasn't like it was more like a Viking, you know, the show inspired festival. I, there was a few reenactors and stuff, but it wasn't very authentic, let's say. So I made a very inauthentic garb to wear there that I literally made the day before. So it's very poorly made uh, and needs a lot mm. of adjusting. But I, yeah, I first need to w- actually work on my. Um, the the reenactment that I'm doing is 12th century. It's the Normans, and I still don't have anything to wear uh, for any mm. of those shows. So I need to focus on that first and get sewing for that. I have all the fabrics and things. I just need to actually get to work. But as soon as I have my uh, Norman kit, then I might work on uh, a Viking one just for fun. Cool, cool. Yeah, I've been considering putting together a Viking outfit for Halloween, especially as my beard starts to grow back. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> the shaved but sides. But do, do it the real Viking way. Don't do the Hollywood Viking. Like, no, use the <laughs> use colors, use beautiful like linens and wools and have vibrant colors and embroidery and like yeah, go authentic if you're if you're going to do that. Yeah, uh, okay, I have lots of color embroidery runes and a giant horned helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. That's the romanticized version. It's still part of, uh, you know, the history the- <laughs> of, of humans on the planet. <laughs> with- Vikings didn't even call themselves Vikings. So no, people are mad that you have horns on a helmet. They weren't even called Vikings. That's a romanticized term that yeah. was given to them years later. But Yeah, actually Viking, the term itself, as I'm sure a lot of people who listen to the podcast and know about Valheim know that Viking is just to refer to the people who went on raids. But the actual peoples were not called the Vikings. They were like the mm-hmm. the Norse or the in England they were called uh, the Danes, even though they're not weren't all from Denmark. But that's just how they were referred to the people from Scandinavia. Well, we should probably talk about some real Vikings now <laughs> in in Valheim. But all that stuff sounds super awesome. It has inspired me to look up some more thing uh, events and reenactment things in in my area and maybe the listeners will be inspired too especially if you post some pictures and or videos of your experience but because there's not been a lot of Valheim news we're we're going to like we uh, there's a lot of news going on in our servers so i think it was now about a week and a half ago i ran probably one of the smoothest events that i've ever run uh, on the resource server when the resource server reset it resets every 2 weeks and it was called the flame of the cultist and what i did was i set up a uh, three 
uh, frost caves in random locations with um, one of, I made sure I spawned in the specific seed. So each one had the giant frozen lake at the bottom. And then I made all the enemies inside have extra health, all two stars. And I spawned a bossed cultist down at the lake and put a bonfire there with, uh, and I gave the bonfire a bunch of extra health too. So the objective was that the story behind it was that the cultists were trying to, um, summon basically something evil into the world. And I threatened that there would be a curse put on the spawn if they didn't defeat the cultists and put out their flames within the next uh, 90 minutes when their summoning spell was complete. So the players had a ticking clock, which is always fun. Some of the, some of my favorite movies sort of have a ticking clock that our TV shows are kind of like, you got to do something quick and it kind of keeps the energy up. And so, uh, yeah, the players logged on and because it w- I, I made it three different locations so that w- it could handle a lot of people because the week before I'd run an event in a frost cave and I had, I think about 17 people in one frost cave. And I, uh, if you see, I have this stream, hmm. basically nobody could see any of the mobs the whole time I'm flying around. They just kept saying, where's all the mobs? Where's all the mobs? And I'm watching 20 or 30 mobs attack the players, but because of the lag, nothing is happening. And then all of a sudden, when it finally loaded, there were 30 mobs beating on everybody and killed everybody at the bottom of the dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) But so this one, this uh, event here called the Flame of the Cultist event, uh, there were enough players to split into two groups. And so uh, they went into portals that took them to the uh, Frost Caves and uh, splitting up the group so that they're in different areas, uh, fighting the mobs was uh, great. I even participated in that event since it was all set up and it didn't need admin to, to run anything. I just played as a player with one of the groups running through. Uh, and uh, yeah, they it was it was super fun because, you know, the mobs were a lot tougher than they normally were. And there was a lot more mobs and uh, yeah, they they got down. They they killed the boss. They put out the flame in both caves uh, within a few minutes of each other. And then everybody met up in the third cave. And uh, surprisingly, it wasn't that laggy either, even though there were 12 or 13 people doing it and, and another five or six building the, the res- the new resource hotel. But yeah, that one went so well. And I think mainly uh, or partly was because I split the players up. And so mm. I was thinking for future events, um, I might try to do that where there are multiple places where things need to happen and kind of give it a time, uh, you know, a ticking clock because they feel like a little bit rushed and they they have to you know try to accomplish something instead of just hanging out and but yeah, splitting the players up keeps the excitement up, but uh, it keeps the lag down. Yeah, definitely. Bit bit harder to track maybe, but better experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, um, I mean, if you're an admin, if, I, if I'm in admin mode because I need to run the event, it's harder, yeah, when the players mm-hmm. aren't all together. That's when, like, you know, maybe I need a second admin. But I'm trying to get these events, like, after running so many of them, I'm, I, I'm getting a little bit better with the idea of setting something up so that I can play and participate. Because it's fun for me to play. Like, I had a, I had a blast playing um, and you realized how rusty I was. I think I died about 10 times. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, you, you, you know, then, then I can, I can set things up and then, and then walk away. Like if I can't, 
participate because of other responsibilities. I could set things up and then leave. But of course, I, I definitely like to get in and play it if I can. And, uh, you know, then it's great and record it. And it makes great content for YouTube. But Thorin, you recently ran an event and my goodness, that was super fun to watch, especially when the big incident happened. Why don't you tell us about it? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a fun little um, hiccup. <laughs> I'll did, leave it at that. But Did you kill uh, everybody again? I did it. Nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody died. Uh, they could I mean, have. People died, but that was just because of all the mobs. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we... Had Fenrir finally returned to Jirox servers. Uh, it's been a, a little while since I'd run an event. It was just uh, after being away out of town for a little bit. And uh, yeah, hadn't done anything since the Frost Caves came out. And with the, the new mobs, the wolves and the cultists and the bats and everything, that kind of fits really well with the, the lore of Fenrir, uh, the admin and the, the god, the son of Loki. So figured that made sense. Uh, we have had a lot of frost caves content so i wanted to kind of put a different spin on it so the idea was essentially to lure all of the vikings down into again one of the big frost caves with a frozen lake at the bottom um, and they had kind of an easy experience fighting their way down there and then they kind of had platforms as they came down the stairs where there were little encounters as they went and then when they reached the bottom uh it was kind of a giant throne room and it was the throne room of, of fenrir where he'd kind of taken up hold for for a little while in this frost cave and uh had kind of bonfires all around and big bone structures and um green and red flame all over the place it looked pretty neat and then they had a pretty hefty battle down on the frozen lake at the bottom and the big twist or the original big twist was essentially once they kind of cleared out all the enemies at the bottom, they thought they were done. The ground starts shaking and I used the Leviathan effect. So everything starts shaking around them and you see all these effects kind of splashing up and around in the, uh, the bottom of the frozen lake there. And the lore was essentially that uh, Fenrir had started to bring down the entire frost cave on them. And I went into free fly mode and shot up to the top of the cave and blocked their passage up with uh, different rocks. So they had oh, to wow. then fight their way out of the dungeon uh, and they're getting chased by all of these different creatures while they're trying to mine their way through the rocks to get up and out of the frost cave. So that was kind of the original design. And then when they reached the front of the dungeon, you know, there was going to be an, another little surprise for them there. Didn't get to that point because as I was trying to remove a couple mobs here and there, because I just spawned uh, a few too many at one point, uh, I was trying to lower the difficulty for them so they could mine their way through without everybody dying. And uh, I accidentally deleted the dungeon while they were all in it. Uh, <laughs> Let me explain real quickly how, how that yeah, happens sure. to the viewers. So we use a mod called Infinity Hammer. It's one I worked with Jir uh, Kusala to have us uh, really expand the things we can do in admin mode. And basically, you can do a, a ton of cool admin commands with the Infinity Hammer. You can spawn things in with it. You can build anything in the game. But you can also delete literally anything in the game. And so if you click the side wall of a dungeon and to delete it, 
when you mean to click a mob to delete it, then you delete the entire dungeon because the whole dungeon is one piece. So if you delete accidentally the wall, the whole dungeon disappears. And that's what you did. It was so amazing to watch on your video. <laughs> yes. And because we are in that specific frost cave, there is a giant square ice floor uh, kind of uh, sitting at the bottom of the dungeon. And it's one flat object that everything is built on top of. And so all of the mobs throughout the entire frost cave and all of the players that were working their way up the steps fell down uh, onto this flat floor at the bottom and it was really weird. It was like we were fighting on this square frozen lake in the Twilight Zone. It was pretty funny. Um, and no one died because everybody's health was over 100. And that's the way falling damage works in Valheim. Uh, so it was kind of an interesting twist. And I added a bit of lore to it where uh, I was tired of them kind of using the the lip mechanics where they were just kind of standing on a higher ledge and shooting at some of the mobs that couldn't get to them. And I kept bugging them about doing that as a joke. And then I said... You know, Fenrir, so uh, you've angered him and he has brought the the frost cave down upon you and uh, <laughs> won't let you escape. And so they all fell down to the bottom and had to fight it out down <laughs> there. So, yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun experience and definitely go check out the the video on my YouTube channel if you're interested in seeing what a frost cave looks like without the frost cave, because <laughs> uh, there's lots of stalactites and stalagmites and stuff like floating in the air up above. It's It's pretty cool. Yeah, and the, re yeah. the reason why they didn't fall all the way to the ground, to the Valheim world, was because you had spawned in one of the uh, frost caves that has the giant uh, ice lake at the bottom. And the ice lake is not part of the one piece of um, the, the the cave itself. It's, it's mm -hmm. little individual pieces that are put there to make the uh, ice floor. So luckily when they fell, you had that ice floor at the bottom and they landed on that but it would have it would also been interesting to see them just fall for several minutes <laughs> down to the ground but but that's what a few of us did when we were done fighting because everybody still had their buffed health over 100 and we just jumped off the edge of the lake all the way down to the bottom to the mountains and you fall for a minute or two before you hit the ground it's pretty well, i want to talk about um the the sky cities that i've recently introduced to our server but the sky city and watching your event gave me ideas for more events that take place up in the heavens <laughs> so so stay tuned for that definitely no oh, that's not yeah funny. i was looking up at all of the uh stalag Tights, whatever, Tights, whichever yeah. ones hang from the ceiling and they're flat on the top. Uh, and when you look up, it just looks like all these perfect little discs. And I thought that could yeah. make for a very fun platforming game. Could be something to try. Well, we yeah. do have a parkour, hardcore parkour coming up, don't we, event this weekend. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, going to be fun. Luma should be joining us for that. Supposedly the um, the champion um, parkour person <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the the Sky th City thing uh, to kind of uh, lead off to that, since you were you had this event that take you know it takes place in the dungeon or the Frost Cave, but but uh, each dungeon, if people don't know, when the dungeon is on the ground, you see the entrance. The actual inside uh, spawns directly above it in what's called a skybox, and that skybox is above the uh, Yggdrasil tree. So if you go in admin mode and you just fly straight up, you'll eventually get to it. That's why you're way up there in the sky. But so um, I had been thinking for a while about how to thank my uh, patrons, especially the ones who 
uh, donate at the elite or, or higher level, you know, it only requires the 999 ver- version of the patron to get onto the servers and play with us as a perk. But the ones who do $25 a month or higher, uh, they've never asked for anything special, but I wanted to give them something. So I came up with this idea where I, I basically created a Sky City platforms and they're building on them. And I have a, a video on that on my site. And I want to do a follow-up video because they're building some really cool houses. If you guys haven't been up there to the Sky City, you should go check out and see what they're doing. Has anybody been up there yet? No. I haven't yet. I'll yeah, have to check yeah, it it's out. pretty cool. Uh, so what I did was uh, uh, the uh, the giant boulders that you see in the different uh, biomes; those actually um, do not fall like the smaller ro- rocks in the game. They, if, if you if an admin spawns it up in the air, it will just stay there. And I have commands that allow me to uh, change the size on both the x, y, and the z coordinates. So I flattened them out. I made them really big, uh, probably a about 30 or 40 meters um, in diameter and uh, a few a few uh, meters thick and so now they look like these kind of kind of like avatar like from the movie avatar like like these rocks floating in the sky and it's just below the yxidro tree and I placed yeah. a whole bunch of them around for for all my elite uh, patrons and yeah people are building up there and they're they're having a, a lot of fun with it so that's kind of cool to see that for, you know, just something fun to do for them. Um, for, yeah. yeah. And, and very unique. Yeah. And, and they're sharing too. Like some people are building giant, uh, like structures on them and others are building, um, smaller structures and, uh, like letting other people build, you know, like I think the mountain wolves have three or four houses on their little platform, on their platform, they built smaller houses and then, you know, some other people built giant, you know, uh, structures that take up most of their platform, but it's kind of fun to see. I know there's, you know, Valheim is one of the greatest things about Valheim is it's building and, you know, you give people another way to build, you know, a different place or, you know, some, something unique to build, uh, then they're going to do it. Uh, because of the building is so popular, just like we when we allowed the uh, mod to build inside caves, people are are building mm-hmm. some fun things inside caves as well. And then the, one of the other events that I ran was an archery event. I did that on Saturday. There's there's a video up for that, and that was kind of fun. I think uh, people had fun with that. And uh, basically, what I did was I went up to the deep north and and post. Uh, built a little platform and then put uh, little platforms with graylings and boars. And uh, so you had the stationary targets, which were the graylings. Uh, and then you had these uh, moving targets, which were the boars because I wanted a moving target as part of the competition. Um, so somebody suggested that I have players turn on PVP and they run around <laughs> and people try to shoot them. I, I volunteered for that. <laughs> yeah. Like when, <laughs> Um, of course, maybe, maybe that'll be a future archery event. But uh, <laughs> I, I had the idea. Well, well, boars are afraid of fire, <laughs> so let me uh, put a bunch of boars in, into like a, a little pen and uh, put up some torches, and it worked great. The boars just ran around, and the, you know the players had to try to shoot them. Um, and yeah, I think I think everybody had a lot of fun with that, and. Um, yeah, just just like um, the the one of the parkour events that we had, y- you see who has like that really agile mouse and keyboard um, coordination um, 
it, it stands out because like the winning time was way faster than even the second place and third place times. And I, it was so impressive to watch. Yeah. And I made the top three players uh, do uh, the event twice just to make sure that it wasn't a fluke the first time. And the, and um, the, the first place did it again, just as fast. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty fun to watch. If you haven't seen it, check it out on my channel. Um. Yeah, one of the uh, other events that is becoming a regular tradition now, so many things have become regular traditions, and I'm kind of liking it, like the resource server reset has become a tradition, and with that tradition, the community coming together uh, to do an event on on the day of the reset uh, in the fresh new world every two weeks uh, that we as admin set up, but also... They get together and tear down the previous hotel from the server before it resets and then build an entirely new one. Uh, and I've gotten YouTube comments like saying, people ask, saying, why do you, you know, that seems like so much work to do if it's just going to be there for two weeks and get torn down. And I, and I say, well, I don't know. The players just do it on themselves, like, like on their own. They, they see it as a community event and, and have fun uh, doing it. So. That's that was fun, but but the other tradition it was one one day somebody asked me, um, uh, are there could there maybe be more serpents out there somewhere? Could you spawn us in some serpents because we've been sailing around for two hours and ha- can't, haven't been able to find a serpent because they're looking for serpent meat. So I went out and I spawned a bunch of um, the giant Heath Plain Tower rocks, kind of in a circle and angled them, and it looked like this really cool little spot out in the middle of the ocean. And I just spawned a bunch of uh, like two star uh, serpents in the center and they went out and they did it. And then they kept asking me every week, can you do that again? Can you do that again? So now I've been (laughs) doing different twists on it. Like I've done it and I've like put motor out there. Of course they had a really hard time with that because they weren't prepared and it destroyed all their boats and all their corpses were floating out there and they kept trying to go back and get them. And then they would die again and their boat would get destroyed. But um, they eventually started to figure it out and lead motor away and all this stuff. But this time, this week, I did a um, uh, the, the uh, stone circle, again, sticking out in the middle of the ocean. But I put a little platform in the center that they couldn't get to from the boat. It was kind of raised up off the ground. And I, I put the elder there. And I made him um, one star and I gave him some extra health. So he hit a little bit harder and lasted a little bit longer. So anytime they tried to get in close to the uh, circle to get the serpents out, uh, like the elder would shoot at them. So they stayed away. They pulled the serpents out. They killed them. Then eventually they went in and I had set up a little around the rocks. I had set up little a little parkour course for them to jump all the way around and then get to the platform so they could actually fight the elder instead of just shooting it with arrows while he's blasting them with their vines. (laughs) And I didn't put the jump thing high enough. They just, from their boat, when the waves got high enough, they jumped onto one of the platforms and bypassed (laughs) half my parkour course. So I'll have to design that a little bit differently. Oh, and because the rocks were leaning, they could just run and jump up the rocks if they had enough stamina and bypass part of the parkour course too. So (laughs) it was fun to watch and a little bit of a learning lesson for future events. Oh, and I don't have a video on that. I did not live stream that because I wasn't actually planning to to do a live stream. I was planning to just build the serpent's nest and then log off and and do some other things. And instead, I got 
Like I so often <laughs> do. I have so much fun doing admin stuff. I got sucked in and, and then built the parkour course live <laughs> while they were there and built the elder in the center live while they were there. Like none of that was planned. Um, but I did record it all. So maybe eventually I'll put together a little video on it. Let's see. So we have uh, two more segments to go through quickly. I think we have enough time for them. So I'd like to talk about uh, bring uh, one of the segments we talked about before, things you'd like to change in-game. Um, and I actually had this come up this week because I was trying to do some recording on, on the server. Uh, so first off, I say I love that we have the ability to hide the interface with Control-F3 so it can take you know, really nice screenshots. And if we want to record video... We can do that. And, you know, if you're in single player, you're in admin mode on a server, you can use the free fly camera. And if you type in the FF smooth setting, you can also smooth the camera. So it's really nice that Iron Gate thought to give us those things so we could do some really nice screenshots and some really nice video. However, <laughs> the thing I'd like to see changed is that while I'm on a server with, with uh, other players, I still can't hide the chat box. So if somebody talks, even with my interface hidden, the chat box appears on screen. Um, and if they shout or if they join the server and they get that I have arrived message, it, it opens a chat box. It appears on screen where in the direction of you know where their shout is. And it ruins my video. So I was trying to record a, a video on the server this week. Uh, and it needed to be on the server. Well, it did, I guess it didn't need to. I could load it in my single player, but I did, didn't want to go through the hassle. I thought it was going to be quick. Just jump in, record something real quick, and get off. But nope, they <laughs> players were were joining and and shouting to each other, and and it just like it took me a lot longer to record my video than I had wanted to because I could not hide that chat box. Thorin, you probably know that pain. <laughs> but I thought um, I thought that that was in the patch notes for the mountain caves patch that they isn't it like if you press escape the chat goes or something it still appears i guess but you can make it disappear or at least that's what was on the detailed patch notes yeah i thought there was something like that on the patch notes too but um i couldn't i couldn't figure out anything in game that would get rid of the chat box and so i went over to valheim's um discord and i asked in um what you know the, one of the chat channels I, I I said, is there? <laughs> I asked, is there a way to hide the chat box and shout pings because uh, it's screwing up my videos? And Smith A just responded Maybe with, the with update. "Nope." <laughs> so I guess not. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mm. he did put the uh, little uh, emote icon of like uh, the the face that's like got its hand on its chin, thinking like, "Nope." Yeah, nope, but the thinking hmm, I'm face. thinking maybe we should add that. <laughs> I'll have to bug them about that because that, that mm -hmm. would really be useful to, to just be able to block all the interface. Uh, but so, Thorin, uh, is there anything that you'd like to see changed? If you had the magic button? Uh, this isn't necessarily something that I'd see changed with the base game, but it's something I would like to see maybe a mod support if anybody knows there's probably something out there that does this but i was just thinking about it the other day when i was working on an event i love that you can kind of pit monsters against each other from different biomes it's <laughs> often fun to watch them fight against each other it, it makes it easy to take things down when you can you know you can lure a lox into a troll or vice versa or that type of thing uh but for putting on events it would be really nice if you had the ability to tweak allegiances between mm. monsters um to come up with 
interesting combinations for events. And uh, I was actually having really weird issues in the Frost Caves event the other day, from the other day that I uh, mentioned earlier. And uh, like cultists were fighting stone golems, but they were okay with wolves. Mm. And there were just like really weird um, interrelationships between the mountains creatures and the Frost Caves creatures, which surprised me. Um, and I feel like that's something I would definitely tweak, but even just to be able to make cool combinations, you know, uh, some like fancy tribe of fueling shamans that can summon wolves or something like that. I don't know. Lots of fun things you could so, do with it. Yeah, that's interesting because yesterday I was in the mountain caves uh, mm-hmm. and as we were in the mountains, we were taking down a few golems and stuff. And it, in the com- I was playing with two other players and it, it came up in the conversation that wolves and drakes are fine. So all the animals on the mountains are fine with each other. They won't aggro each other. However, stone golems fight everything. Mm-hmm. And we had this conversation about, well, maybe it's something to do with the lore of stone golems because they're not animals. They're kind of like weird magical uh, beings maybe there's a law around the stone golems the mm-hmm. fact that they i don't know they, maybe they were humans before turned into these stone monsters or something uh and they're just very angry um and i wonder if it's the same in other biomes where some creatures fight everything and everyone because of some law related thing or is there a, no logic at mm-hmm. all to how the combos work yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that with the stone golems they fight any mountain creatures so it it's it was specific to them and what about the cultists did they fight anything uh the cultists they well the the cultists and wolves were fighting the stone golem but i guess it was just because everything Mm. fights the stone golem Yeah, stone golems really ornery doesn't like anybody (laughs) you're really grumpy yeah (laughs) (laughs) i guess you would be too if you're just a big pile of rocks (laughs) Exactly. Uh, well, everybody wakes you up when you're sleeping. I know, right? Yeah, I just want to lay here and, and sleep. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> or, or you get some Yuha, uh, Yahoo who wants to jump on their head and ride them around and bang them with a pickaxe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Um, well, Gwen, what, what about you? Is there anything uh, that uh, you, you'd press that magic button to change if you could? Uh, it's always hard to come up with those because uh, I, I like the game how it is and uh, even with its uh, limitations. But there was one moment where I was a bit stuck, literally and figuratively. You know, when we did this, um, the International Women's Day stream, I respawned in a in a bed that I made in, uh, well, that Thorin, I think, made in the in the cabin. Uh, and we have bunk beds. And so I respawned there, but when you respawn uh, on a bed when you die, you're standing. And I was literally clipped in, in the, what was it called? A floor. And I couldn't move. And I couldn't destroy the thing around me. And I was really just stuck. And Jirok had to come and use his uh, admin hammer to uh, to remove the, the 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 floor piece so I could move out. But I was just thinking, if that happens on a solo world, you're screwed. You basically have to make a new character to come and 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 help you because you. I couldn't punch anything around me to destroy it. Even if I could, it would have taken a long time. I didn't have a hammer on me because I had just died. Uh, I couldn't even reach the chest that was next to me to get a, a spare hammer I had in there. 
And uh, if I killed myself again, I would just respawn in the same spot. So that's a bit of a problem. And I know a lot of people have this issue when they um, uh, with beds. If you you're not careful how you build your bed, and if it's too close to a roof, you kind of clip into the roof, and it's just really annoying. And I don't know if there would be a system to avoid that. Maybe some sort of like limitation on building a bed where there ha- there has to be a certain height above it to avoid those issues because it I know it's quite frustrating when it happens and it's fine when you're playing with other players and they can come and help you but if you're on your own or you don't have that uh, option it's uh yeah yeah it's I remember uh there I was goofing around with the uh the chair trick and 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 uh glitching through the uh sunken crypt gate and uh I got stuck on the other side of the gate, like in this little void pocket where I couldn't zone into the dungeon and I couldn't get out because of the gate and I couldn't reach the chair to click on it. And I thought, well, what do I do? I, how do I get out? Mm. <laughs> I'm stuck here forever. And I went over and asked on discord and in, apparently you can type slash die or kill self or something like that. I think it, maybe it's slash die in, in the uh, chat box. Yeah. But then you just and respawn you can- in the same. So my problem was I, if I had done that, I would have respawned in the exact same spot because that was where my spawn was set. But now that you say that, there might be a command to reset the spawn at the spawn I think, stones. Yeah, I think there is a command to the reset your spawn point oh, uh, back yeah. to spawn, if I remember correctly. Okay, so maybe that's the only other way then, is like if, you, if you're stuck like me on the bed that you respawn yeah. on, then you have to reset spawn kill yourself so that you spawn at the stone circle and then find your way back to wherever your, your grave yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- we have <laughs> options, but yeah, it's kind of annoying that you get stuck. Um, I mean, there maybe it's some system where if the, it, it checks or, or, or like most games just have an, a, a stuck command, right? I, mean, I guess people could ex- exploit it, but you, you type slash stuck and, it'll like teleport you somewhere or, or a little bit away from your current spot so that you're unstuck from where you're at. So maybe their stuck command mm-hmm. could just be respawning at the original world spawn. But I guess in, basically it's type reset your spawn point and then kill yourself. So there's two steps instead of one. Hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not really a feature request or anything. It's just like something that happened to me in the past couple of weeks while playing where I was like, ah, that's a bit yeah. bothersome. <laughs> well, I, I've had that happen too, because uh, as a server admin and the creator of the server, like lots of people have made like a house for me or a bed for me in their area. And so I'll just run around and random, like if I'm visiting their thing, I'll just click the bed just for fun to bind myself. And remember there was one, so somebody had like a bunk bed system and I click the bed on top to bind to it. And then I was goofing around and I died and I spawned and I was stuck too, because the, the bed was so close to the roof. I was clipped into the roof and I couldn't move. <laughs> um, yeah. And I didn't have a- admin <laughs> another- commands on at the time. So I couldn't even teleport out of the air, yeah. out of there. <laughs> so another time, but that was a while ago, <laughs> I was experimenting with your, uh, uh, your chair and kind of going into things. So I was uh, putting torches in trees and I, I clipped into a boulder, a, a rock, to try to put torches in there to illuminate it and make it pretty. And I I got stuck in the rock and 
there was no way out. I tried jumping, rolling, logging out, logging back in. I was just like completely stuck. And I literally had to throw out all my inventory outside the rock, like everything I had on me and just kill myself. <laughs> and the grave is still in that rock. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a facepalm moment for me, but yeah. 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 You can clip into the giant boulders and trees and stuff with a chair, but uh, the boulders, if they get hit once, they turn into a bunch of little fractured sections. So yeah, you get stuck in them. Mm. That's probably what happened there. Yeah. I mean, I put myself there, so I had only myself to blame. So that was okay. But the, the respawning and like respawning and being stuck on in, in roofs and stuff on bunk beds is, uh, I know it happens a lot to other players too. You, you kind of have to learn the hard way when you first make beds and you get overexcited. You make this really kind of space efficient system with lots of beds really close to each other. And then, and then you, and sit then in you it. die. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a tip for players is you should always sit in your bed before you go off adventuring after you've built it. Why? Why sitting? Because like, if you sit in it while you're playing it, it shows you whether you're going to get stuck or not when you have your hammer and. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, so let, the things you learn let, let's see thinking back Gwen gets killed by trolls by smoke by trapping herself in boulders and getting trapped <laughs> in bunk beds okay <laughs> <laughs> and that's not only that's not even half of it she is our martyr uh, yes yeah. indeed so Rudy if, if there's <laughs> something that you would change what what would it be uh, again, like when it's, it's hard to pick something, but, uh, I do enjoy, um, when I did play single player, the better archery mod. Yeah. I like being able to, to zoom in. Um, and the fact that you get a craft kind of a new thing, right? You get a craft, a quiver from, uh, I think it was pelts or deer hides or something. And then it gives you the three extra inventory slots just for arrows. Uh, I think I would love to see that entire mod just kind of brought into, into the game, having that option of uh, just better better archery makes it a little more fun. So that's all I got for for uh, for that one. But uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to to see that. Well, don't you think it might something like that might uh, might come with a new crossbow? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see like the word is 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 uh, slipping me now. The the quiver. I'd love to see a quiver mm -hmm. in the game, mm -hmm. even if they didn't add everything from that better archery mod, but just having a quiver option that you can put arrows in there and it doesn't take up inventory slots. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that that uh, seems like a nice little little touch. It's definitely one of those things that seems like uh, it could come later once they get past. You know, because it's in early access, they're still building all of the basic things that they want to get into the game up to the 1.0 release. And something like like the archery thing could come with the crossbows. Maybe they'll 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 add some functionality like that to the crossbows and maybe something to the bows. But definitely could be something mm -hmm. that comes after 1.0 release. Just little nice little fun tweaks like that that you know you could do with so many other things once they have the base game actually done but but in the meantime we do have mods and we're using them quite a bit as admins and play allowing players with to use some of them as well but that's cool that's cool uh oh and thorin just to uh g go back to yours real quick when you asked that question about you know could we change mob allegiances and is there a mod out there i asked on the uh odin plus uh team discord because it's like the channel where all the modders hang out Mm -hmm. to share uh, modding and, and discuss stuff. 
And uh, yep, I got uh, two different mods, I guess, that, that that do that. Something called Spawn That. There's an actual set faction um, nice. parameter. And I guess another mod called Creature Level and Loot Control Level and Loot Creature or something like that. And it has a functionality like that. So uh, I guess we could look into that if we want to start do it, making some tweaks to our events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you do it? Is it for all... Uh... Sorry, what am I trying to say? I assume it's for every single instance of that enemy rather than specific ones. Yeah, that would like be something can't. I was wondering too. Is it could it just be that instance, uh, or would it have to be all? I don't know. We we'll have to play with it and mm-hmm. and see. But Rudy, favorite things in Valheim. What are we talking about this week? Absolutely, it's our favorite segment. The favorite things in Valheim. Uh, we've talked about uh, moments we've had, food, weapons, armors, pets, stuff like that. But let's hear about your favorite mob in the game. What are your favorite mobs? Uh, let's start with uh, whoever wants to take the floor. Have at her. I can go. Um, and I think my my favorite mob is going to be the same one as a lot of people. But And I might have spoken about it before, but the Abomination, I think, is my favorite one to take down. It's just such a cool mob and the animation is great everything about it is uh is so fun and uh and yeah it's one that's vulnerable to axes which is my uh weapon of uh choice so i'll my vote goes to the abomination yeah, i love using my uh silver sword on that bad boy it only takes four or five hits and uh she's gone but uh yeah great animations definitely one of the best uh mobs in the game uh, what about you, Thorne? Uh, I really like the new cultists. Um, so one thing I don't love about them is the the head headwear. It, it's a little bit Red Riding Hood to me, but uh, I do love their uh, their fire effects. I think they're some of the best uh, effects in the game. That's for sure. Uh, in terms of uh, like elemental effects and that type of thing, they they kind of have a different visual style um, than some of the other fire in the game, but. Uh yeah, the when you kill them, the big burst of flame, getting like a close up of that right in your face. I I'm a huge fan. Yeah, those flame effects are pretty darn amazing uh on those cultists. That was one of the first things I noticed too is just the flame effects are just wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nice to see another character in the game, especially earlier in the biome sequence uh that has some sort of like magic effect. Yeah. 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 My answer might be a little bit fromage-like, cheese-like, <laughs> uh, but I love the skeleton surprises. Um, that's free block training, in my opinion. Uh, and, and having, you know, 10 skeletons that you can just smash through with your sword or hammer or whatever is always a good time. But honestly, I love the uh, the skeleton surprise just, just for block training. Put your shield up and get a few skill points up there. Uh, sorry, developers, if you're not a huge fan of that, but it's I love it. It's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, that's uh, a good uh, good point. Actually, the first time I made the crystal battle axe, I got I imme- almost immediately got the skeleton surprise um, uh, raid, and it was a great way to use that like the big swing attack, <laughs> and you just smash through all the skeletons around you. Yeah, and it also has the rancid remains, which is probably one of my top yeah. three favorite trophies in the game, especially with the uh, wearable trophies mod there that uh, the admins <laughs> are allowed. That uh, trophy's the greatest looking one to wear. And uh, well, last but certainly not least, what about you, Jurok? Yeah, like many people, I love probably just every creature in, in the game. Uh, I mentioned, I think, last uh, week that 
I love the abomination, or during one of the pod- previous podcasts, that I love the abomination, probably one, one of my favorites, uh, just because of how unique it is and, you know, the stump lifting itself up out of the ground. Um, but before the abomination, um, I had a few loves, and one of them was the locks. And, and even before it became, um, you know, writable, uh, just because it was such a this uh, a fun threat that you know I could jump on it and hit it hit it on the head with a pickaxe. <laughs> Anything I can do that with is always fun. Um, and you know, its big stomp attack made fighting it, especially at low level, um, uh, a really big challenge. And you had to really plan f- mm-hmm. to avoid that stomp. And it's just this big, fluffy, lovable thing. I I, I just really love that. Um, always love the the Draugr lore. Uh, but I, 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 and, and, and the droggers and, and the, like the, um, the, the history behind them. But the more I, I was thinking about it, I think the fueling shaman is probably one of my favorites. And if you watch my star Wars video that I did last year, it's the fueling shaman seems to be one of those creatures in the game that when you look at it, it has magic kind of like Thorin said, mm-hmm. like with the cultist, um, it, it's, it's effects are really good. The design, uh, the, it's holding a really ornate staff. Um, uh, there's one model where its eyes are covered. So it's like blindfolded and another model where it's, it's uh, eyes are not covered. And it just seems like one of those creatures that could have all kinds of lore behind it that, um, I think, uh, you know, we, we don't have a ton of lore on it. And like, in my mind, I, I could see myself developing a whole bunch of lore around the shamans and how they're, you know, sort of the backbone or the leaders of the feelings. Um, I just, I really love that mob. And when I do events, I find myself using them a lot because they have range so they can get to players who like to hide on towers and stuff and just shoot arrows. Such a neat little mob. Anybody else uh, uh, have a fondness or a hatred of that mob? (laughs) Yeah. I like the design of them for sure. And I, it reminds me of what uh, Lee was saying last week of, uh, you know, the law being hinting at things. I feel, I feel like a lot of the design of Valheim is the same. There's hints at uh, uh, more, more story, more law, but they don't spoon feed you the law like a lot of RPG games, which I, which I appreciate. It's like the shamans and the fuelings, the way they have their villages, you understand that they live in tribes, that there's like... A, a kind of a civilization there, but you don't know too much about that. And I quite like that because then it you you let your imagination fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. That was great. Um, I think uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff happening on our servers and uh, we're, we have more cool stuff coming, especially if Thorne and I can figure out um, how to change allegiances on, on mobs hmm. and mix them to help to fight together and the new frost caves have made it um so much better and uh you know to run events so that we don't have to build uh dungeons or structures uh all the time we can just use a cool structure that already exists because the the uh, sunken crypts and the um burial chambers are a little too small and too claustrophobic for really big grand events but Exciting stuff ahead, and uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Thanks for having us. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. Take care. And that's it for now. Have fun out there.
Thank you for listening to Podheim, Jirox Valheim podcast. We have new episodes coming out every Friday. And if you enjoyed listening, please support us by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a rating and a review to help more Vikings find us. We also have a Patreon with perks for supporters like behind the scenes discussions, exclusive content, and segments that are edited out of the main podcast. And if you'd like to join our friendly Discord community, We have more than a thousand people there. Just go to discord.gg slash Viking. If you'd like to play on my Valheim servers, just go to my website at jirokthevikingcom and submit an application. I'd like to give a huge shout out to my supporters. Some of them on Patreon, the YouTube membership, and the ones who help boost our Discord server. Your support means the world to me and inspires me to make more videos, as well as run a community Discord and multiple Valheim gaming servers. If you enjoy my videos and would like to support my work, join our friendly Discord community and Valheim servers, links can be found in the description below. Skull!